he's kind of looking at us a little yeah. like, what's happening, Pete? <laughs> you know, right? Uh, this is Pete, Pastor Pete. If you are first time here, first timers here at Hillside, my name is Mike. I'm a student pastor here at Hillside, and uh, I, I believe this this is truly the first time that you have ever done something like this or or wanted to do something like this, right? Yeah, I've interviewed before, but I haven't been interviewed. Yeah, haven't been interviewed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and, I and yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, you don't like it. You don't like it. And there is something if you, you know, I, I have to speak a lot as well. There is something about being able to control everything that is going to happen for the next 30, 35, 40, 50, 60 Sometimes minutes. for you, yeah, 50, 60. I didn't want to say it. You said it. Uh, there's something about being able to say everything and be kind of control isn't the right word, but just know what's going to happen. Right. And then there's something different about kind of having this little bit of a conversation, sitting down and discussing it. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, you came to Nick and you came to me a few weeks ago and uh, had this idea. So this was your idea. It if was. this thing blows up, it was your idea. Okay. <laughs> um, and the reason why was because uh, we, you did around the end of, of April a talk on forgiveness as it is found in the Lord's Prayer, right? And uh, something happened after that talk that normally doesn't happen. Uh, anytime that we, you give a talk or we introduce maybe some additional resources, a podcast, something like that, video that we've done, uh, it's, it's common to maybe get one, two, three, five is normally a lot of responses uh, with, with stories uh, and or questions, right? And when you did that talk on forgiveness and we released a little bit of other things around it, we had over 30 people write in and ask questions, just kind of blow the, right. the, the room up. And, uh, and as we looked at them, you just said, what, what if we just kind of had this conversation about forgiveness in a little bit different of a way, right? Right. And really, they break down into about four or five different repetitive questions that kind of come up, right? Subcategories. Yeah, about five categories. Before we even get to those, though, just knowing that there probably are some people here that weren't here a few weeks ago, uh, the talk that you gave on forgiveness is one of the best kind of, I think, theologically foundational talks on just the subject that I've heard. Would you mind just kind of giving a summary to everybody here what, what was discussed Sure. On that day. Uh, so we covered the forgiveness of the Lord's Prayer where, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors last. Because after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, uh, as if he wants to go back and address that issue, that particular issue a little more, uh, makes, spends, you know, we had two verses discussing if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. And if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And so forgiveness uh, we addressed it last, and it's such an overwhelming and complex. I had many conversations after that service, yeah. people really hurting bad, and there were a number of sort of facets that we couldn't address. And so we thought, well, I just was thinking out loud that maybe if we could converse about it in a different way, it might might be more useful than me giving just another talk on, yeah. on forgiveness. So, yeah, um, uh, basically what we tried to say in there is th the imagery of of debts is a financial sort of commercial term, which is a really uh, business term for the, for a relational idea. As if Jesus is saying, sin is is the business 
that we operate in. That's our business. So I owe you and you owe me all the time. We're just always in debt. And um, Matthew 18, with the imagery, the parable there, which sort of highlights the same message in Matthew 6, Jesus is essentially saying, uh, but everyone owes me the most. We owe God the most, Mm -hmm. uh, but we also owe each other. And so that's sort of the business. When you come into the kingdom, your sin business kind of becomes a mercy business. And you're just constantly doling it out as lavishly as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as, as needy as we are for it and as needy as we are uh, to receive it uh, and give it, um, it just becomes a really, really important relational issue that Jesus touches on yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, and what I, what I loved that I thought was maybe at least for me, the greatest point is we all really like grace when it has to do with free, right? Jesus' entire point, and then the parable that you connected to it is, but grace has to be transformational. It has to be. It has to. Right? It can't just be free. It's not an either or. It's a both and. It has to be transformational as well, right? And Jesus' point is that whatever that forgiveness I'm offering is, when it comes into your life, you lose any claim to withhold forgiveness to anyone else. Once you know my forgiveness, there, uh, you, you lose all claim to withhold it yeah. uh, from other people. Yeah. So we owe more to God than we owe to each other. Yeah. And in the talk when you gave it at the end of April, you didn't have a, enough time then to then kind of work out the, the tangibles, the like, what does this look like in this situation, right? right? Um, and, and so that's what we hope to do here is to kind of work out some of those, like, how do I put it into my everyday life, right? right. Because it's, it's really easy to be like, yes, you should forgive. Now it's, well, the nuance, right? right? The nuance of what this that's needs right. to look like. You have, you know, if you don't forgive, you have internal damage and we all have some of that in us, internal damage from our unwillingness to give it to people. And we probably have all felt some of the ramifications of not, of not, being, a, of not being forgiving. But then we can also do a lot of damage to other people when we're unwilling to forgive. And of course, there's a, there's a, there's a big range of issues, but most of them fall into a category that are fairly regular and manageable in our relationships. Yeah. But we, we deform other people when we do it. I think I was, uh, one of my favorite pictures of it I read was just this idea that when we, when we are unwilling to forgive, we dehumanize, uh, you sort of, you, you flatten people, you make them one-dimensional. Uh, I see you and all I see is the thing that you did and I think of you as just the evil that you did, all in relation to me. So when I think of you, you are this. You are, you are the adulterer. You are the uh, abuser. You are the liar. And that's all I see in you. And I sort of make you a one-dimensional person. And all in relation to me, which you're far more than that. But that's what it ends up making you. And I think a good image of that is uh, if you've ever had a... Uh, caricature drawn of you like at a carnival or something. Yeah, Six Flags, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, usually what happens is they highlight 
your, your flaw. They exaggerate your flaws on your face. So if you have big teeth, it shows up in the picture. If you have a big forehead, it shows up in the picture. Um, whatever it is you have, whatever that flaw is, it shows up. And that tends to how we view people if we're not willing to forgive them because we only see them as that yeah. sort of caricature. And so both of those fall outside the... Yeah. They're, they're both devastating. And this is why Jesus says, no, 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 we, we can't. We got to be in the that business of forgiveness. Yeah, that can't be what it looks like. So audience, just so that you, you understand... Um, my, my kind of role in all of this is to represent you, to represent questions, uh, represent the fact that there are some of you out here where that topic a, a few weeks ago sent you on a great direction, sent you towards healing, sent you towards reconciliation. Uh, and then we, we also know that there are some of you out here where that hurt or that pain that has been caused was to such an extent that even just a few weeks ago, you talking about forgiveness ripped some band-aids, duct tapes, whatever had been put on it off. And when you walked out of here, your goal was to shut this topic off as fast as possible. And the fact that we are even circling back around it a few weeks later is like the worst case scenario for what could have happened when you walked into this building today. And so we recognize that. We want to be sensitive to that. And at the same time, just have a conversation of what would this look like, you know. Uh, and, and surely those, those of you in here that, that feel that way, you have, you have been in my prayers and Pete's prayers this week leading up to it of, God, give them the ability to hear well, discern well, and then put into practice what needs to take place in their lives. So here's, I think, a, a great place to start, Pete is maybe the, the one that was asked the most and, and just, yeah, can spring us forward from this point is, how do we think about forgiveness if there is no repentance, no apology, it maybe is repetitive, it continues to be happened, and in the midst of all of that, it may not even be like a neutral, there's just like a, oh, I didn't even know I did that to you. There actually is some blame shifting taking place, or some, uh, you know, vindication of I have done nothing wrong here. That may be one of the hardest moments where the theological standard put forth by Jesus becomes so real to us, and we just say, "I'm, I'm not forgiving that person. They don't even want it. Right. They're they're refusing to accept anything." So, walk us through maybe some 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 biblical wisdom on that instance itself? Um, so I jotted down uh, when I saw that set of questions um, after looking at a couple of texts, which I'll show you, uh, that Jesus seems to close the door on the option of forgiveness that's based on um, someone who doesn't ask for it or uh, does it repeatedly. Jesus seems to shut the door, as if to say, um, there is never a time when forgiveness shouldn't be offered, ever, from a purely forgiveness standpoint. So for, uh, let, me, let me show you a couple of verses on that. These are just ways you have to think about the topic before you get into the complications of that. Uh, the first one was in Luke chapter 17. 
Jesus says, uh, you got to forgive seven times. So seven times somebody asks you, and, and it says, if they repent of that sin, then you should offer them forgiveness for it. Seven times. So here they are asking for it, which is a good thing. Uh, that's not always easy to do, but it's always helpful. And then it's a repeated action. So you get both of those here. So if you go to Matthew 18, you get, you know, Peter says, how many times should I forgive somebody? Remember, Jesus says to him, 70 times 7. But Jesus in that text doesn't say, if they repent, if they apologize, if they stop doing it. He doesn't say that. So you get the idea that if they ask for it, you should give it to them. If they ask for forgiveness, you should give it to them. And even if they don't ask for it, you should give it to them. And that means that forgiveness has a dimension to where you can offer it to somebody, which if we define that means you let them off the hook. You, you, don't, you don't call the payment. That's the financial debts, I owe a debt mm-hmm. idea, is that, you know, I don't make you pay. I'm not making you pay for this thing you did to me. Uh, so if I offer, I can offer you that and never, uh, even though you don't want it, I still, from my standpoint, can forgive you even though you don't want it. From my standpoint, it's one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Then if you, obviously, if you receive it, then that opens the door to other kinds of things. But, it, yeah. but both of them, the fact that it's repeated or not. Jesus was on the cross something I've reflected on, and I won't go too much into it, but I reflected on it more than I uh, needed to for this. But Jesus is literally forgiving people from the cross who aren't asking for it and are repeatedly doing the deed. Yeah. And, and so that's, a, that's kind of a remarkable thing. Um, so that means that, uh, and this is what, I think I would say this on, on that point is... Uh, we should really, really go out of our way. We should really work hard to make it easy for people to uh, offer us forgiveness or for us to, you know, give it to them. You know, be willing to apologize. A lot of times we, we have to apologize for things we're not really, you know, we don't really believe we, we did any damage, you know. You know, you say you're sorry, and you say it because a person's hurt, even though you don't necessarily feel like, I think we just need to go out of our way a little bit more, which is what Jesus is saying, to offer mercy. We have to be a merciful people. And so I think we have to make it easy for people to get forgiveness and get past hurt. Make it easy for them to do it, as opposed to making that difficult or, or complicated. I think that's a practical element of this, I would say. And I would say this, too. Um... You don't even have to tell someone you forgive them. You just stop making them pay. Now, this, this is not always the case. A lot of times you have to sit down with somebody and you've got to hash things out. But sometimes you can just say, you know what? Uh, they may not even know they hurt me. I'm just not going to make them pay anymore. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. You remember this verse? We, we mentioned it. Where Jesus says, when you're praying, forgive. Or, you, or I won't forgive you. So you can be praying, and as you're praying, literally somebody, some hurt comes to your mind, and you forgive it right there in the prayer, even though you never tell the person you've hurt them or they've hurt you. You just stop making them pay. You got over it. You just said, I don't even need to go through it with them necessarily. 
And in some cases, you can offer forgiveness. That's the one-dimensional side of forgiveness. One dimension of it mm-hmm. is I just offer it. Um, and uh, I, ne- I just stop making you pay. Yeah, retaliating was the word you used Re- in the first To retaliate, yeah, yeah that's that right. That need to retaliate. The need to yep. retaliate in any way or to be yep. resentful, whatever. I'm just going to let you off. Right here in my prayer, I'm just going to let you off the yep. hook. Yeah, um, Which I think speaks to some of the New Testament dialogue in the epistles about just bearing with each other, right? Just that idea of there are moments when you don't have to sit down and hash things out for a couple hours because your life has been infected with grace and mercy and patience to the point right. where there's going to be some things done against you that were, you can tell were not intentional and it just happened. That's right. And as a follower of Christ, you're just saying, I, I bear with this. I, I forgive them. We don't need to talk about it. That, right? that's, a, that's a really but, important but part. But then if you can't let it go, right. you know it is a little bit bigger than just the bearing with each other. Right. right. And then you got to go. Yeah. And, and you may have to yeah. you know, sit down and. So this leads us kind of into that next part as we do talk a little bit about that reconciliation piece, okay? Um, Sometimes in the black and whiteness of the topic of forgiveness, there's this idea that after forgiveness takes place, everything returns to what it was before or a what it should be, right? Like a, I don't, utopian view of relationship, after maybe some forgiveness, some pain, some forgiveness has taken place. For us, what, I, I, what does reconciliation look like sometimes, right? What, what do boundaries look like sometimes, yeah. you know, in, in areas of repetitive hurt that is being done? Well, this was another big category of people. Yeah. We're all trying to manage uh, uh, hurt in different ways and we have different levels of hurt and some of those hurt have consequences that are, you know, that go, that are really big. I mean, they're, just because you forgive a person doesn't mean there aren't consequences to what has happened. There could be natural consequences, legal consequences, uh, relational consequences uh, are the result of, yeah. of some of those. So um, I, I did, I do, I do want to recommend a book that uh, I read this, this week called Forgiving What You Can't Forget by Lisa Turkris. Uh, this is a really excellent book, probably one of the best things I've read on the topic. Uh, she, is, uh, she, she writes about it extremely well, deals with this idea too. She calls it dancing with dysfunction. Once you, uh, once you have forgiven a person, now you've got to manage the relationship. And there are two pieces. Forgiveness of a person is one thing. Reconciliation is another thing. And Jesus addresses them differently even in Matthew 5 where he says, you know, when he deals with the anger issue, don't be angry, and, you know, forgiveness has to play a part in that. But then there's the part in Matthew 5 where he's talking about, you know, you're offering a gift to God, and you realize you've got something against somebody, and you've got to go to them and solve it. There's a reconciliation piece. Uh, Forgiveness paves the way to reconciliation, but it doesn't always have to uh, end in the relationship coming back to the same place that it was before. I think she writes it like this. Forgiveness releases our need for retaliation. There's the word. That's essentially what forgiveness is. You are not going to retaliate against a person for what they did to you. But she says, uh, so it releases our need for retaliation, but not our need for boundaries. Uh, The relational dynamic may change based on what has occurred or what has happened. 
and it may very well have to. I mean, in some cases, a relationship can't continue. Yeah. Sometimes in divorce, it can't continue. Sometimes, you know, uh, you may be imprisoned for what you did, and you cert- we certainly can't continue. So uh, there are certain dynamics and boundaries that can be set in a relationship that's toxic. She does a good job of, doing, of, of helping us th- uh, relationally assess, uh, you know, the dynamic going on in a relationship that you might have to change a little bit. Um, the idea at the end of the day is I, I want to I be able to stay as close to you as I can uh, where, I can, where, where, lo- where love can flow from me, where I'm not trying to do damage. I'm actually hoping to do something good for you, even if that is set a limit. Uh, and she gives a bunch of those. But you might have to limit access that a person has to your life because of their toxicity. Sometimes we have parents. I've talked to a number of people who have a parent. You're an adult, but you have a parent who's so toxic you can't, you can't be around them. They do damage. You, or you have a child an adult child who's doing that, or you have somebody else in your life who's toxic to you or has caused such abuse or pain that you have to limit their access to your life. Uh, you, you can limit in certain environments. We can be in this environment, but we can't be in that environment together. We can, uh, we can be together at this time, but we can't be together at, at any other time, or we can be together... Uh, uh, or there's just certain behaviors I'm not going to tolerate anymore. If I'm with you and we start going down this road, I'm leaving or this is what I say or this is what I do to end that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that kind of reconciliation has to happen. Uh, but there is a trap here, and I want to go ahead and throw it out there. The trap is that somehow you can just, you know, write people off, everyone off who hurts you. And you just say, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I think the heart of God is to see people together and connecting together. There are times it just can't happen. And that's just the human reality. But, um, but I think it's God's heart that we don't just write everyone off that hurts us, think evil, and, and, and be resentful of everyone. Uh, as you know, Paul says in Romans 12, as long as it as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone that you can, whatever that means. And it doesn't always just depend on you. It depends on other people too. Yeah. So, um, you know, you do have to limit access. Relationships don't have to continue. But don't fall in the trap of thinking you can just disregard everyone in your life who's hurt you. That option, um, don't, don't fall into that trap. At times it has to happen. Yeah. Uh, we talk almost, about almost as like a last resort, right? I mean, it... In, in one sense, in one it, sense, it should be there is the, a an, a um, chasing of relationship until a point where it's like this this is obviously not going to be able to happen. Yeah, that's right? exactly right. Um, it's kind of like CPR. You're gonna you're gonna do everything you can. You're gonna breathe life into this thing the best you can. But unless their heart starts beating, it's just yeah. It's, you know, you got to stop at some point. So, um, yeah, I think we have to maybe get help. If you're in a relationship or you're in a dynamic where you feel like I've got to completely just get you out of my life, well, you might need to talk with that, talk that out with someone. Don't let yourself off the hook that easily, even though there is clearly times when a person can't be in your life. We talked about that loss. All of us have probably losses in our life, um, 
because of pain either we caused or someone else yeah. has caused. Um, yeah. About, uh, I guess it was three years ago now, I was looking at the, um, I was looking at when I wrote this, I thought of it when, when we jotted down this question. Um, you have people in your life you might mourn. You probably mourn the fact that some people aren't in your life anymore. They could be close or family or friends or whatever. And in 2019, um, I wrote in, in my notes, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll do that when I'm having a quiet time or something. I wrote uh, one of the great, this is what I talked about. One of the great sadnesses I live with as a Christian, as a human, and as a pastor, is the fact that I've hurt people that I love. Not always intentionally. Sometimes just very insensitively. A few times for good reason. But still what was done by me makes it really hard for somebody to stay connected to me. And I understand that really can happen. Sometimes there's bitterness, a leftover kind of static. Sometimes it heals. Often there's a genuine forgiveness, but, but there are other times when something just says separation is best for healing or for... And that's just a harsh human reality. It's not always the case. Sometimes you hurt people and it gets healed and they stay connected and you lean in and uh, that's equally wondrous and amazing and I should say extremely humbling. Like if you have people in your life who've loved you through your failure, that's one of the most wonderful gifts you'll ever have in your whole life. To be able to look at around and go, these people are still in my life despite the fact that I fail miserably sometimes at relating. It's very humbling. But then I said, I have to give the separations and relational endings to God. Somehow, in order to function, I mean, in order for me to function, somehow I've got to be able to give those, those relationships that won't go any farther anymore, that don't exist virtually. And, he's, and I, I wrote, just creates a sadness that will last until I'm in eternity with these very same people, because I know I'll be in eternity with these very same people and we'll be healed and remade and our personal and interpersonal brokenness will be, you know, restored. But then I said, but I think giving it to God means this. This is what, if you're going to give that loss to God, here's what I think that actually means. This is what it, what it meant for me in my own heart. I think giving it to God means that I have to remain sensitive about those broken relationships. It'd be very easy to just constantly be blaming those people and constantly throwing them under the bus and constantly in my head thinking bad thoughts about them. No, 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 that, that, that can't remain. I got to get, get past that. Uh, and I got I to, gotta, and it's very humbling to be aware of our potential. This is the other piece just to live now humbly with the, with the reality that you will hurt people and you will hurt them enough that they won't want to be around you anymore. That's incredibly 
humbling, and it should make us compassionate to every hurt that then happens after that. Um, to live with, the, with your own failure about, um, you know, live with your own perfections in relating, it's very hard to do. And not let hate consume your heart as you nurse your wounds, uh, but move toward people with good thoughts. Even if I can't move toward you physically, I can move toward you with good thoughts. And that means at least this, and I think it's very, very important. You say, how do I know I haven't, I'm not retaliating against someone? At least this, you have stopped talking negatively about them. I can stop talking negatively about you. Um, so that's what I jotted down because I got, I got to live with losses probably like you have to live with losses and maybe not losses. You probably have people in your life that's humbling. And then it's humbling to have the people that have remained in your life, even though you have obviously yep. um, not been able to love perfectly, yep. you know, it's yep. a horrible, horrible thing, but it's a reality. And I think the losses even have to be given over to God mm-hmm. in order for you to stay sane, mm-hmm. you know? So on that topic of causing people pain, for the person that's sitting out there going, man, I just I st- really struggle to forgive myself, right? Like I really struggle to, to trust God at his word, to let things, like, yeah. help. I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm type A, I'm one of those people, perfectionist mentality. So help me, help, help the audience. How, how do we need to, to kind of approach that? in the midst of us doing the hurt. Yeah. Um, one of the, I'm going to go ahead and s- slip this in now, even though we didn't get to it at the end of the last. Yeah. One of the hardest things to live with uh, when, when it's important to forgiveness is letting go of control of another person. We talked about that. You're letting go of control. And you also have to let control, you have to let go of the control of, of somebody thinking less of you than you want to be thought of. I think at the end of it, when I, when I, was, when I, when I was just sort of looking at the layers, you know, of, of hurt, I think one of the hardest things for me to deal with is the idea that now that I've hurt you, you, you now think less of me than I want to be thought of. And I think that's one of the hardest things in the whole world for a type A or, you know, uh, you may not be a people pleaser or, you know, a perfectionist, but it's still very hard to, to know somebody thinks less of you than you want to be thought of because of what you did. That's really hard. And those are the kind of things that then contribute to the kind of pain that you feel like, I don't know if I can forgive myself yeah. uh, for that. And so I want to just offer this to you uh, in that regard. Um, Lisa Turkeris had a comment about that. She said that, uh, she just pointed out that the Bible never tells you to forgive yourself. It's just, a, it's just an observation. And even in the Lord's Prayer, you ask me for forgiveness. And uh, you ask others for forgiveness, but you don't ask yourself for forgiveness. And so, obviously, I stopped there. And I, I read <laughs> yeah. that book in one That's sitting. I read it in one sitting, but, profound but, uh, statement, but right? a good portion of the time was spent right there on that one when she said it. Because, 
because it made me think, okay, then the real problem is in forgiving myself is that I don't trust God's forgiveness. I haven't really fully walked into or leaned into God's forgiveness of me. I'm not really grasping that. Yeah. Um, and Henry Nouwen, years ago, I read in his, in his Prodigal Son book where he says one of the greatest spiritual challenges you'll have in your life is receiving God's forgiveness every day. You'll, you'll struggle with that. But you've got to receive that forgiveness. And, and a couple of things about it. It's very arrogant to imagine that you have a standard higher than God does. And you say, God, sorry, I've done something you can't forgive me for. Or to say that your redemptive act on my behalf isn't good enough, it doesn't, it doesn't solve. Basically what you're saying is, God, you are not the ultimate judge. I am the ultimate judge. Hmm. I judge who's in and who's out, and I deem myself to be out. And Henry Nouwen said, if you press that too far, you might actually, and I've known people like this, small number, but people like can do this, and maybe you've done it yourself, and that is uh, you can start to act out in a way uh, where you try to prove that you're unforgivable. I'm not forgivable, so therefore I'll prove to God that my darkness is too dark even for him. And, uh, and um, it, that, that's a horrible place to be, and it fits nowhere within what the redemptive uh, you know, plan that God has done. I would suggest you read 1 John. He's got some, uh, John's got some great things in there on your conscience and how God's greater than, your, than even your own thoughts in your head. But then Revelation 12, there's a great moment where uh, there's this cataclysmic, uh, apocalyptic vision of Satan falling from heaven. And when he gets down there, he's, all he does is accuse the brethren. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. He's accusing the brothers and the sisters. All he does, night and day. The Bible says night and day, just accusing you. And... Uh, John says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. You know, Christ's sacrifice is all I had in my defense. So here you have Satan standing before God. And what is his argument that his accusation would stand? Not that you've done something so evil, but somehow, God, your, your redemptive act, your crucifixion, the cross, the work on the cross was inadequate somehow. That's got to be Satan's argument, and, it's, and of course, it doesn't work. Somehow, whatever you did on that cross, it was not enough for her. It certainly wasn't enough for him, and therefore, uh, doesn't work. And, of course, Jesus, yeah. no, that's not the case at all. Yeah. So, um, that leads into... Yeah, well, as we, we uh, discuss in the last few minutes that we have, you know, one of the, the really good questions that I think we've all been there on is the, how do I know I've forgiven? Like, what does this process look like? Because how do I know I've forgiven if what they have done to me still is hurting? Yeah. It still has a sting. There's still things triggering. There's... There's places I drive, there's things I watch on television, there's songs I hear, there's people I'm around, and it still has more pain than I was expecting it to at this point in this forgiveness process. Um, so 
forgiveness, it just sounds, when you're reading it biblically, so cut and dry. But uh, because it, it doesn't really discuss hurt involved. It just deals with the issue of letting somebody off the hook. And, um, and so there's a lot of residual pain, and all, all of us are carrying pain, you know, at some level and hurt. Um, so forgiveness is not always easy to mark. You can wake up one day and feel really good about what somebody's done to you. You go, I just feel like I can really let that go today. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, why am I so mad? Why am I so hurt? Why could I just be so, you know, yeah. uh, damaging to somebody? And so that is something we, you have to talk about out loud. And this is basically what I would, what I would say to you. Um, forgiveness uh, is a decision that you can make. But it also has a process to it. Some of the damage that we do to each other lingers. Some of the damage is so horrible that it, it, it wrecks people's lives forever. Their lives will ever, forever go in a different direction uh, because of what has happened, whether it's abuse, serious cases. Yeah. Uh, but many of our lives get adjusted as a result of that. And so now I've got to forgive not just the event, not just what happened, but the impact of what happened. And every day I limp. You know, it's like being in a car accident and, you know, you forgive the guy for doing what he did driving drunk. But then I got to walk every day. I got to walk with a limp now every day. And so every day I've got to offer forgiveness because I'm dealing with the impact of that as well. So that's where it becomes kind of a, a, a process as well. But here's what I would say the most helpful thing to me has been on that is uh, the, the hurt that remains shouldn't be confused with whether or not I've given you forgiveness. Sometimes we feel like, well, if, if you really forgive a person, that, that means the hurt isn't there anymore, and I'll, I, I, I should stop hurting too. And that's not necessarily the case. The hurt in the memory may not, may not leave, okay? Uh, they're going to stay with you. And, and, and if, you're, if, if you're fortunate, you know, God heals you over time of things, for sure. That can happen. But the hurt may not ever completely disappear. That doesn't mean you haven't forgiven a person. Uh, you just have to, um, you got to process that hurt every day. You're still not making a person pay for what they did. That's still forgiveness. But, but the hurt's still there. And you can still get all kinds of feelings bottled up inside of you. They'll slowly dissipate, but they may not ever go away, not this side of heaven. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, just don't confuse those two. Yeah. You, you can definitely have forgiven a person. Yeah, and I, I think as we were kind of discussing this week a little bit, you know, just in my own life and the lives of others, without the forgiveness taking place initially, the power of the pain does not dissipate, right? You can hide it somewhere inside of you, but when That's it true. comes back, it comes back with the same fury until that moment is, is a given to now not retaliating, and then healing can start taking place from that point. That's right? exactly right, and I do think it will. I mean, I think if you don't forgive a person, the pain just becomes exponential. Yeah. It just gets yeah. worse. It'll, it'll you'll only make that worse. Uh, yeah. So. If, if you could give us kind of a, the process side of things, like I, I often struggle in these types of conversations to make it like, do this, then do this, then do this, because this may be more like a stages of grief 
all of these things need to happen, right? No doubt. Not the necessary order that they need to happen in or, or exactly right. the gravity of each one in your life. Yeah. But if you were going to kind of give a little bit of an overview on just the procedure of forgiveness. Okay, so um, I think the most important thing on that has to do with the fact that prayer seems to be the context where this has to be worked out with you and God. Um, in Matthew 6, God says, I want you to talk to me about the debt you owe me, and I want you to talk about, I want you to talk with me about the debts people owe you. That's Matthew 6. But then you have Mark 11, where he's saying, you're praying to me, and you probably ask for forgiveness for me, and I'm telling you I want you to forgive others too. That means somehow in prayer, this has to be processed out loud with God, uh, uh, you've got to be able to say that with God. And if you're going to process that out loud, I can tell you a little bit about what it, what it sounds like to me. This is the first thing I will say to God if I'm struggling or if I'm hurt or if there's an issue, you know, with a relationship that's just, just like a bad toothache, just keeps throbbing, you know. Then, I'll, then this is the first thing I'll say is, God, I, first of all, I need it, and I, I really need it bad. I need, my, I need forgiveness today. Uh, and I affirm the lengths that you have gone to provide that for me. Say that out loud in your prayer. God, I cannot believe how far you have gone to forgive me. Say that out loud. And then the second thing you're going to say, but I can't believe how much I'm struggling. I have disbelief and anger and how unreasonable it seems that I, I should have to offer that to somebody. Go ahead and tell God I don't want to do it. It, it. it just seems like over, just overwhelming. Just, just say it. And then right after that, say to yourself, and I know that leaves me as an angry, resentful, bitter, self-righteous, maybe the worst of those person. And then say to yourself, do I want to be that? Do I, do I want to be that? God, will you tolerate me? If I become that person, I need you to forgive me of those things. There's no way I can do that and you not give me the grace to forgive, you know, let somebody off the hook. Uh, and then I think it's a really great question to ask this, and I hated asking it. I hate asking it even now. What is it I can't let go of? What is it that I feel like I've lost in this hurt that's so important to me it's become an idol, you know, that I won't let go of it? Is it my reputation? Is it control? Is it, um, is it like I said earlier, the idea that somebody thinks less of me? I've got to live this. I, you've got to be able to thrive in life knowing people know that you are not all you could be, and that is one of the hardest things in the world. And sometimes you got to say to God, God, I am so sorry that I have made an idol out of the fact of how people see me. That's processing forgiveness with God. 
if you walk through that, you'll realize you can't come out of that prayer session, even if it only takes three minutes like what we just said. It only took three minutes to say that out loud, but you say that out loud and then you get up and you go, okay, so forgiveness means nothing to me. I am not letting anybody off the hook today. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do. So I think, then you, then you say, okay, God, if I'm going to do it, then I'm going to have to make sure that I walk in kindness toward a person. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm not going to talk negatively about them to other people and continue to feed that. And if I get the chance, if I get the chance, I'm going to do something good for that person. Whatever that good thing is. It could be drawing a boundary. Mm -hmm. It could be a kind act. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be just not shutting you out of my life. Um, whatever it is, but then you got to figure out, okay, where does that forgiveness lead me to act in a way that I'm not making you pay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you said something about faith that like, as we close up, I feel yeah. like it, it needs to be said, even yeah. though we're a little bit over time Yeah. And, um, and just the important role that faith and trust in God and in his ways and his words has in this topic. Could you close with that? Yeah. 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 Let me, let me do that real quick. Um, so um, when you're reading Luke 17 and you get to that forgiveness piece, you got a few verses in Luke 17 that just seem to be random teachings of Jesus put together. They don't naturally flow out of one another. As if Luke has grabbed these truths and just stuck them together, they don't necessarily relate. But I found it very interesting in, Mark, or in Luke 17 where Jesus um, talks about if, if somebody repents, you forgive them, and I don't care if it's seven times. That's that text. Well, then right after that, you get this text here where the disciples say this, increase our faith. None of what's said here has, is directly related to that forgiveness text. You get these proverbial kind of statements. But I found it interesting because I think this would be true if Luke's writing. Why would you put the disciples after they hear the idea of forgiveness? After you read that, you go, if I'm going to need more faith. If I got to forgive a person seven times, I'm going to need more faith, you know? And so I go, oh, yeah, that's good. Well, Jesus' point is you don't need more. You just need the amount of a mustard seed. I just need you to know what to do with that faith. I don't necessarily need you to have more. Okay? So you're sitting out there right now, and you're going, I don't know if I, I even want to forgive, let alone could forgive this person in my life. And Jesus is saying, uh, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mulberry tree, which is a black mulberry tree, which had the, the deepest roots ever. Uh, be uprooted, which would be a miracle, obviously, and plant and plant it in the sea. So you get these mixture of metaphors, planting in the sea, and it's so outrageous that Jesus is trying to communicate. And I love the fact that it's not a mountain. You know, you have enough faith to move a mountain. He says, you have enough to move even deep-rooted kinds of things. And I've made that connection for me. Deep-rooted hurts, deep-rooted things going on in your world I care about. And, you know, when you talk about having faith to move mountains or, you know, deeply-rooted trees, which last 600 years, these trees, because of that deep-rooted system, God says faith can pull that right out. Even the deep-rooted kinds of issues uh, I'm willing to help you with. So when, you, when you're in prayer and you say, God, I need faith, 
Well, maybe you need faith to trust him that he can give, bring your heart either to heal from hurt that you've been caused, because that's deep-rooted, or to um, offer forgiveness to somebody that you never thought you could. This is Jesus saying, hey, your faith can handle the deep stuff. You can pull it right out of the ground. I don't care how long it's been there, 600 years, and I don't care how deep it is. And you can plant that baby in the sea, and you're like, I don't even know what planting that in the sea looks like. And you're like, I don't know what my life's going to look like after this, but whatever it is, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. the kind of faith. That's a, a great image to, to end on. Yeah. And uh, Hillside, thank you for being here. Pete, thank you for sharing. Would you mind closing us? Yeah, and, and I, and I want to thank Mike because I roped him into this. He does a good job interviewing, and I wanted to thank him for, for doing that. So thank you for doing that, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll pray. So, Father, we come before you and, uh, you know, just deeply uh, wanting to please you in this, in balancing our, our pain and, and, uh, and hurt. We, but like you say in your word, we just, we just bring it to you. We offer it to you. We know in our hearts that you have forgiven us, and we're so overwhelmed by that that we must process, even if it's painful, our need to forgive other people. We just have to do it, Lord. So I just pray that all of us, wherever we are right now, wherever we are, just move us closer to that reality. Help us to wrestle that through with you because there's just no way around it. And I know that with faith, you can bring healing to, to, to deep, deep hurts in here. And you can also uh, release grace from us that others desperately need. Help us to do those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.